Last week on Let's Talk Supply Chain, I was joined by Gary from Trace Gains. Trace Gains is on a mission to revolutionize CPG supply chain agility. They believe this mission is urgent and critical. The supply chain they serve is the largest and most fragmented on the planet. For 15 years, Trace Gains has provided the world's only holistic networked solution for global brands gaining speed and control over compliance and product development. Using the power of a network, brands collaborate on 425,000 ingredients or items from more than 55,000 supply chain locations, creating greater agility, resilience, and joint sustainability within the business ecosystem that masters the modern supply chain. No worries if you missed it. Want to share it or even take another listen? Go and catch up on letstalksupplychain.com, our YouTube channel, or anywhere that you subscribe to the show. It was episode 316. Let's Talk Supply Chain is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature not just the top of the industry, but also diverse voices from within the community, new innovations, and the disruptors making waves in the industry. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas and fresh perspectives only on Let's Talk Supply Chain. And now a word from our sponsor. It's time to take control over your supply chain with Cavallo. Cavallo is a distribution management solutions provider founded by an experienced distributor who spent two decades perfecting and optimizing Cavallo's high-powered user-friendly software. Cavallo offers the ability to have complete control of your process with automated workflows that offer business rules and alert logic that will streamline your distribution operations. Leverage Cavallo's state-of-the-art business intelligent platform that provides real-time intelligence of your customers' orders, alerting you if they are out of compliance or even better, bringing awareness to areas in your business that are driving exceptional value. With a data-driven approach to supply chain management, Cavallo enables a network of cloud, on-prem, and integrated solutions that offer a path to excellence no matter where you are in your technical journey. For more information on how to accelerate growth with Cavallo's business intelligent platform and its game-changing distribution management software, visit Cavallo, C-A-V-A-L-L-O.com today. Hello, and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Today, I'm joined by a company that is on a mission to drive beyond digital transformation and make businesses smarter, dynamic, digital, and wildly successful. It sounds really exciting, but who is it? Well, I will reveal that all after the poll of the week. So the question that we asked you, how far do you travel for the holidays? 45% of you said inside my own house, 38% within the country, 15% said internet. National. And then we had a lot of a great comments. Heather said, I love not having to go anywhere. Steven says, usually I fly around the country to visit family and friends and deliver gifts. Well, he's his family's own Santa. Uh, Gary says next door, which is awesome. And Rich says about 40 miles to my mom's house. I love that. Well, we hope that you all had an amazing holiday season. And thank you all for, um, you know, participating in 
in our poll of the week. We ask you guys a question every single Wednesday morning. So definitely go to our LinkedIn page, check it out, be part of the conversation because the community really gets together on a Wednesday morning. So now back to today's podcast and which innovative and forward-thinking IT brand is joining me today? Well, it's Era Technology. Era Technology is the decision intelligence company that makes business agility happen. Their innovative cloud platform integrates with your existing systems to digitize, augment, and automate decision-making in real time. In the era of digital acceleration, ERA helps enterprises around the world transform how they respond to the ever-changing environment. Today, Fred, the CEO at ERA Technology, joins me to chat all about the company, what they do using AI to reimagine how organizations operate, the rise of citizen data scientists, and harnessing the power of decision intelligence. But before we dive in, let's find out a little bit more about Fred. Fred is the CEO of Era Technology, a company transforming the future of work and business agility through decision intelligence. Fred and his team are helping supply chain leaders gain the agility and scale required to perform in today's ever-changing complex digital world. Fred is an entrepreneur at heart and Silicon Valley veteran. He brings an impressive track record, building successful startups and driving technology innovation. Prior to launching ERA, Fred was the CEO of Anaplan, which he grew from 20 to 650 employees and a $1 billion plus valuation. He has also held several executive positions at SAP, Business Objects, and ALG Software. Fred is a thought leader on the future of work and decision intelligence for the enterprise. He is also a technology and startup advisor to hedge funds and financial institutions, as well as an investor and active board member of several startups in the U.S. and in Europe. So welcome to the show, Fred. Thanks for having me, Sarah. Great to be here. I am so excited to have you here and to learn more about what you are doing in the industry. I mean, there are so many things that we're going to be talking about today. But first, I want to know more about you. I heard that your background is definitely something that we want to uh, dive into because you're working with supply chain leaders. And so talk to us about what that journey has looked like for you and what led you to working with those supply chain leaders. Sure. Um, look, I've, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a tech entrepreneur. I spent the last 25 years of my life uh, starting in Europe and, and then in the U.S. Uh, building uh, technology that helps large organizations manage their performance. And, and my career took me across, and mostly for very large complex enterprises. So uh, career took me across different, different uh, uh, areas of, of enterprises from finance to revenue management and, uh, and supply chain. So uh, again, 25 years building organizations uh, to help big companies manage performance. So prior to building ERA for the last few years, I built another company called Anaplan uh, in the world of, of data modeling. And prior to that with SAP and business subjects. So that's been my career. Uh, the, 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 don't ask me why I love it so much. I, I think I like complex <laughs> problems, but uh, this has been uh, uh, keeping me, uh, you know, uh, very engaged and, and, and excited about uh, about going to work every day. So yeah, that, that's what I do. 
A lot of really big names that you mentioned there that a lot of people would be very familiar with. And mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but it just sort of like supply chain just sort of gets into your blood. I mean, it did with me and you, it latches on and you just can't let go. Yeah, modeling complex problems. I mean, it's like, a, I feel like I've been trying to resolve a giant puzzle for the last 25 years. I started my career doing, you know, process management, activity-based costing, all those techniques that are basically coming back today. We're still trying to resolve the same problem. And every five years, there's a new technology that comes up. We started with, you know, a, a desktop technology and then client server and then and then three-tier architecture and then the web came in and then the cloud came in and all this technology is allowing us to actually move the envelope. Now, what's interesting is that the, the complexity of the problems that we have to resolve is also increasing exponentially. So you have this race between, uh, you know, the, a goal that's kind of moving uh, very fast and, and technology that's trying to catch up. So uh, never a dull moment for sure. And, you know, uh, the knowledge base is changing every, I think that was 1.5 years, maybe four years ago, and it's just getting even quicker. Now, before yeah. we find out more about ERA, can you set the, the scene and talk about the transformation that's happening in the industry right now? I mean, you talked about it being a puzzle. You talked about us really solving some similar challenges than we have in, in previous years. But you also say that digital transformation is changing everything. So talk to us through that. You know, what are some of those key changes and challenges that are really being faced by today's supply chains? I mean, a conversation that I had earlier today showed, you know, 51% of supply chain professionals are anticipating disruptions in 2023. And so yeah. there's a lot that we're going to face as an industry and as professionals um, really coming up. I think the problem goes beyond supply chain. I think we talk a lot about supply chains these days mm -hmm. uh, with COVID and the disruptions that we all know about. I'm not, I'm not going to go there. Um, right. But I think if you think about the broader, broader picture of, of an enterprise, right, there is an acceleration of the cycles. Everything is actually faster. When Remember 10, 15 years ago, you were doing plans that were yearly plans and quarterly plans. We'd have monthly updates and that was it. Today, we're talking with clients who are basically planning on the fly and replanning every three right. days. And there's a massive acceleration of the cycles. I was in Europe recently with a, with a client who was telling us, look, we, you know, two days delivery was seemed to be like impossible to do. Now we're within two hour window in, in a city yeah. like Paris or London. We have to deliver within two hours. And where will it stop, right? I mean, you're going to get the goods in front of your doorsteps before you're even done pressing order on, on your computer or on your phone. So there is an acceleration of the cycles. That's one. There is a complexification of the decisions that you have. To make all the decisions that you have to make are are multi-dimensional. They're looking at more complexity, more dimensions. And when you combine these two things, the acceleration of the cycles and the, the the complexity of the decisions themselves, with the fact that the decisions have to be made closer to the point of impact, you create a massive uh, increase in the demand for intelligent, for timely, and accurate decisions. Mm -hmm. And the problem is on the other side, the supply, I take a supply and demand analogy, which we all understand very well. You have an increase in the demand for intelligence, for, 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 for timely and, uh, and decisions that are made close to the point of impact. And the supply is basically an organization that has not changed that much. Still mm -hmm. a big pyramid sitting on top of a bedrock of transactional system. And our industry has been providing 
tools for collaboration, for planning, for computations, for modeling. Um, but there is a disconnect, right? The the demand is growing a lot faster than the supply. Yes. And what we've seen over the last uh, a few years is an increase of the problem and of the gap with things like the great resignations and, mm -hmm. and labor shortages. So there's not enough people to make the decision. There are not enough people to do the work. So that's the context in which we're evolving at a macro level. And, and that's not limited to supply chain, by the way. It applies everywhere, in revenue management, in finance, in all parts of the enterprise. So that's what we are decided to, to fix a few years back, is like, how can we leverage digital technology to help bridge the gap between supply and demand? Well, and I think also we're all thinking about supply chain organizations, industry very, very differently today than we were pre-pandemic. Right. Yeah. We're and, and we're we're looking at sourcing very differently. We're looking at supply chains holistically and what it means to our organization, because what's what's working for one organization isn't necessarily the solution for the other organization. Mm -hmm. um, and so why don't you give us an overview of what you're doing at ERA? Like, who are you? What do you do? What's your vision for your customers and for the industry? Because there's so much passion there. You have so much passion for this industry and what you're doing. And so I'd love to just learn a little bit more. Well, no, thanks for that. And and you're right about the passion because uh, as we alluded earlier, this is some something that we've been working on for many, many years, right? So I first wrote about the topic of kind of formally uh, 12 years ago. I was still at SAP at the time doing some strategy work. And I said, look, the big problem that enterprises are going to face in the next, you know, decades is, is the one of, of, uh, decision making, making decisions, and as I mentioned, in a timely fashion, yeah. intelligent system that learns, um, uh, you know, and better and faster, and that, that's a fascinating topic, right? So then, you, mm -hmm. of course, you add all the variations in context as we've experienced over the last few years, and the topic became a lot more relevant. So we launched ERA in early 2017. And um, the vision that we had was very simple. It was the self-driving enterprise. We said, look, we're going to enable the self-driving enterprise, the self-driving uh, supply chain, meaning the automation and the digitization of decision-making processes and building a technology that would allow the, the, the thinking to be connecting to the doing, uh, yes. meaning that you build Love a that. digital brain, which is great. But mm -hmm. how do you actually make it self-driving and connecting to the nervous system of the enterprise? Mm -hmm. And for me, uh, you know, about the, the 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 luxury, or so to speak, of, of of building great companies in the past, but that was the growl. And I wanted to really tackle that problem uh, with my my partner Sharik, our, our CTO and co-founder, and and we built a great team. So today, the company's grown. We're a few years into the journey, and we our journey was interesting because. Um, we started really the, uh, pioneering this uh, approach. Really, it was more of an approach um, mm -hmm. with uh, some of the largest companies in the world, like a handful of them and said, look, the technology is not there. The vision is there. Let's partner and work together. So we built the technology with a few customers um, and, and the technology matured. And of course, now it's uh, it's ready for, for scale. Um, it's true self-service SaaS platform. So if I summarize ERA, it's... Uh, it's um, and of course, as we grew, the market got defined, and today mm -hmm. it's called decision intelligence. That's how Gartner defines it. We called it self-driving. We called it cognitive automation. Today, it's being defined by the market as decision intelligence, which I think is fine. It's a good definition, except that I would add 
decision intelligence and automation. There's a big part of what we do, which is around the automation of decision making. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, that's uh, we've got a global footprint. We're working with large CPG, life sciences, oil and gas, script manufacturing companies around the world. Um, and uh, it's a lot of fun. So, you know, I'm glad that you talked about how you got started, just working with a couple of clients to really help see what the challenges really were. I mean, I talk about how collaboration is the future of business all the time. And I think that's really how a good business is started, right? You have to collaborate. You have to come together, have the discussions and work together on what doesn't work as well as what works. And it's interesting because I haven't heard that term decision intelligence yet. Um, But you mentioned Gartner and Gartner has recognized it as a top industry trend this year. So if you don't know about this particular um, you know, word or trend, decision intelligence, then you're really going to have to listen to what we're talking about coming up yeah. because this is what we're going to be building a picture around. So talk to us about what decision intelligence really is and how does it work? Yeah. Um, I, I want to come back to your point about 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 a partnership and the collaboration in a minute. Because yeah. I think it's absolutely fundamental. Uh, but decision intelligence is a new practice, okay? It's the, in simple words, Gartner has a pretty advanced definition, uh, as they do. I'm happy to read it for you, but I think it's kind of boring. Uh, I'll go I'll go straight to the simple stuff. Okay. So the digitization, digitization, automation, and augmentation of decision making. So you take a decision that you have to make in your in your job every day, you're optimizing inventory, you're rebalancing stock, you're doing all this, you're, you're routing trucks on the roads, you're making decisions as a business operator right. on an ongoing basis, you're allocating inventory, you're giving an ATP date to your clients, you do, you're managing your procurement processes. So you're planning, planning is a set of decisions that you make, but once your plan is, is, is out, then the reality kicks in and you have the execution of right. these plans. And those <laughs> require thousands, tens of thousands of decisions, big mm-hmm. or small in terms of impact that has to be made every day. And as I explained earlier, this is the workload that companies cannot cope with. And mm. the, the ability to deliver these decisions in an intelligent manner close to the point of impact is what decision intelligence is all about. By digitizing that process, by allowing a computer system to actually deliver the recommendations, or go and take the action autonomously, just like you have in a self-driving car, mm-hmm. you're delegating the fact of the, the, the driving to a computer system that analyzes what's happening in the environment, knows how to optimize a specific decision at a point in time, knows how to take the action, accelerate, turn mm-hmm. on the wheel. Well, the same thing applies to the decision that you're making with inventory rebalancing. Mm-hmm. So what ERA has done is we built a technology that allows a non-digital native, a Unilever, an Exxon, a, all those companies that we've been uh, uh, p- partnering with over the last few years, uh, so non-digital native companies, to not just think digital, but yeah. not just act digital, but be digital. Literally yeah. put digital at the center of their decision-making processes. At the Gartner event um, a few weeks back in London, uh, one of the executives uh, uh, with one of our clients was talking about the fact that this year, ERA has delivered more than 1 million recommendations that have been acted wow. upon 
inside that organization, inside that big company. Meaning that the tool, ERA, in the, how it works, it crawls a different transactional system, your ACP, your Oracle, mm -hmm. and all the different planning tools, WMS, TMSs, and it augments all that data with external data sources. It does it automatically. It brings that data into a normalized data model, the data right. fabric for supply chain, and it applies the intelligence to actually um, come up with a recommendation. I recommend mm -hmm. that you uh, transfer that many uh, you know, but that volume of inventory from this place to that place, from this DC to that DC within the yeah. next two hours in order to avoid something. And that process is delivered wow. to a business operator in an inbox. Think about it as your Gmail or your inbox, your Outlook. And <laughs> it says, hey, this is a message from Era. I recommend you do that. Do you want to accept? Do you want to reject? Maybe you want to modify? You want to understand? And based on that, the system will execute your, your decision. Huh. But it also start learning from those interactions. And it's wow. fundamentally important because that's what gives you the ability to build better decisions over mm -hmm. time. So what yeah. the system done is big, big part of the vision was if we are able to digitize decisions, we're able to build a permanent memory of all the decisions that are being made on a given topic, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. as a result, you can retrain the system to actually become smarter and smarter. So digital native companies have been doing this for quite some time. Amazon's mm -hmm. been doing this. A lot of companies have been doing this. Marketplace right. have been doing this for some time. Dynamic pricing, there's so many practices. Mm -hmm. The challenge was how do we build a technology like this that adapts to a non-digital native environment or yeah, company? Yeah, yeah. And, and helps you execute. I mean, yes. if you think about it, you think about the conversations that are happening at the board level and mm -hmm. how this is going to change those conversations um, tremendously, yeah. right? I'm, because I'm you said that. traditionally supply chain logistics professionals, a lot of the decision making has been made on gut feel or mm -hmm. on relationships or, you know, I feel if we do it this way, I don't think we're going to get the results that we have, but they're not necessarily data-driven conversations and some like you said at a certain level have been able to have been able to have those conversations but a lot of companies can't compete with that if they're mid-size or whatever to really be able to to make strategic decisions and if you've got a warehouse let's say you know east coast and west coast and you know if you're able to sort of take all of that data that you're talking about and figure out exactly how much inventory you're not only going to be able to save the organization a lot of money you're also going to be able to save the environment and stop as much waste. So that's the that was the main driver behind us building era. If you ask yeah. me, right? I think the uh, the the vision that um, um, we had was we got to remove inefficiencies that are that are yeah. human operator driven, and we know that they are everywhere. You talked about gut feel, talked about tribal knowledge, right? So yep. most uh, planners started thirty years back. They started in a yes. business school or whatever. You would go mm -hmm. into a um, a large company and you start your career as a planner and after a few years you become good at it you have a good mm -hmm. sense of the market the resistance the opportunities yeah um, but today when you talk to our clients they're saying well people don't take the time to become good at everything at this stuff mm -hmm. there is a you know, you know job hopping and all these trends that are that making the tribal knowledge yeah that was the foundation mm -hmm. of good supply chain management mm -hmm. disappear so the vision that we had was how do we capture that tribal knowledge 
How do we digitize that tribal knowledge? How do you make sure that we know we don't digitize the planning tool, we digitize the planner, right? right? And how do I make sure that I understand the best practices, truly understand the best practices in my company, and I'm able to roll them out? So the best recommendations, the best decisions can be deployed at scale across market units, across products. So that's what the power of digital can do is, is capture those best practices, understand them, mm -hmm. and then scale them out, right? Which yeah. is really, really important. There's there's a lot of um, uh, attempts at, at doing this, but they're micro attempts. They're, they're very, lo very local, specific market, specific uh, uh, problem. The challenge is that those companies today, they don't have the time anymore. They have to operate at scale. So they yeah. need to they need digital to help them do that. Yeah, and I'm glad that you brought up the tribal knowledge because it's not only that people aren't staying in positions. We have people who have been in positions for a very long time who are leaving. Yeah. And you know, as much as technology is coming in, we still also need to be able to fill that gap. And it's a huge gap. I mean, we're looking at, you know, thousands of people leaving the workforce and leaving supply chain positions yeah. that are going to leave holes in organizations as far as that tribal knowledge. And so if you're not capturing that right now, I mean, you're in big trouble down the road. Yeah. And and people always ask me, right, what, what's the, what's your advice? I said, start now. And not because of the technology, but because right. of the data. You yeah. got to start capturing the data mm -hmm. now before it's too late. Uh, and the advantage that you have when you've digitized uh, decisions and you start building that decision data knowledge, mm -hmm. uh, that that graph that's available in the technology is is phenomenal, right? Absolutely. It builds, it becomes exponentially, uh, it delivers value in an exponential fashion. So I think it's super important. So let's talk about the four key areas that you have around deci decision intelligence for ERA. I want you to build a picture of what you do in these four key areas. So you have ERA understands, ERA recommends, ERA predicts, and ERA acts. Can you talk us through that and what some of the benefits are? Yeah. So the first, yeah, th this this framework is uh, is very important. Um, the uh, Understand means that the system is able to make sense of the 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 data set that that you have available, which are disparate. They are setting in different systems. They're mm -hmm. different different locations. So, how do I make sense? How do I identify a business problem that I need to resolve? Yeah. When my data sits across so many different systems. Mm -hmm. um, by the way, the the some of our clients have already rationalize their number of ERPs down to a handful or two or three or even one instance, the problem mm -hmm. remains the same because the data inside an ERP is still siloed. So right. the reality of, um, of our clients is that they have a problem with their data. And the first thing that we have to do is bring the data into a normalized data model that ERA understands. We understand right. the lineage between the different dimensions mm -hmm. and we can make sense of it to tell you, hey, you have an issue here that you need to address within the next mm -hmm. uh you know, 40 minutes or the next two days. Otherwise, the impact is X, Y, and Z. I love that. I mean, time frame and impact. I mean, you're only getting started in this part of the conversation, but timing and impact, like give me a time that I have to do this by. And if I don't, like, you know, something's going to explode. <laughs> and and uh, if I don't, is not single dimension. That's why I said X, Y, right. and Z. Uh, okay. It can be cash cost service level, but also sustainability. We have clients... Coming up with beautiful dashboards in ERA on look, this is my, uh, this is how I generate carbon, and this is how I need to blah blah. blah. Okay. And what do you do about it? Yeah. When you're the operator, 
who is facing the decision of shipping this uh, uh, by air or by train or by the sea, mm -hmm. how do you actually consider the different dimensions that you have to uh, um, consider to, to make an optimal decision? Mm -hmm. Maybe you have to hold this for 24 hours so that you can combine with something else and ship it that way. You have to be able to look at your entire network Mm -hmm. In real time, it's very complicated. Too many data points for a human brain to, to process and not enough time to work with the tool to come up with the right, the right you know, compute. We uh, When I talked about a million recommendation to date with, that was a few months ago, but with one of our clients, think about a million recommendations, each recommendation taking maybe between you know 30 minutes and 10 hours of work. Mm -hmm. How many hours of work is that? You don't have them. You don't have the capacity, nope. right? So the error I understand part is really fundamental. It's giving you that real time. Mm -hmm. So the whole capacity to crawl all those systems in real time and give you the real-time warning and the real-time understanding of the issues that are, again, micro or micro, that are hitting your business mm -hmm. and need to, to have real-time attention. So that's the first phase is error understand. If you think about a self-driving car, you just need to understand the direction you're going into and what's happening in, 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 around the car, the yeah. speed, the velocity, mm -hmm. the obstacles, and all this stuff. That's the first step. And of course, that understanding is combining data coming from the inside of the organization, but also bringing external data sources, as you can imagine. Then prediction and, and, and recommendation is, you know, we can say recommend and predict or predict and right. recommend. It doesn't matter. This is one process, really, mm -hmm. which is... I identify a problem. What do I do? Yeah. I'm going to project. I'm going to predict. I'm going to optimize. I'm going to allocate. I'm going to do all sorts of, uh, of, of operations in a sequence. So I have a problem. What are the five different options that I have? Let's mm -hmm. analyze the impact of those five options. I could rebalance. I could transfer. I could manufacture. I could cancel. I can do all this stuff. Then look at the impact of every one of these options across multiple dimensions. And based on that, I'll apply some business rules. Mm -hmm. Hey, if this is Walmart and a product A, blah, 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 uh, and the window is that much, this is how I want ERA to make the recommendation. Right. If it's a product of type B, then you make that type of recommendation. Mm -hmm. And the system now applies rules on top of the different options and comes up with a recommendation. And say, Sarah, this is my recommendations. And the recommendation is to just like a business operator, mm -hmm. you know, an analyst would come in and, and make that recommendation. Again, those can be very simple recommendations or very complex. They can connect dots that are not mm -hmm. connected normally. I'm going to connect my pricing dots to my promotion dot to my inventory level projection dot. Amazing. That's what we do. And then you'll say, you receive that information into your inbox, as I mentioned earlier, and you say, Okay, um, accept, reject, and then the system will ex execute your order. You make the decision, the system executes it. Of course, uh, our customers now reach levels of automation that are close to 100%. So nice. when the system gets smart, I don't need to come to you anymore and ask the question because right. I have enough confidence in the recommendation. Wow. So the system that we deliver confidence score, so the yeah. system will say, this is 98%. And good. I'm certain that the impact is going to be the one that ERA is calling out. In which you, in case you'll say, I need velocity. Hmm. I need I need scale. Let's get the system to actually run it on its own. Hmm. And your role becomes to monitor what the system does. Your role is, it becomes to guide 
how you want the digital brain, the digital system to actually operate. So you're changing your role. You're think about it as putting a robot in a factory. You yeah. are doing the work. Now you have a machine that does the work, but you're still standing behind the machine and controlling. Is the machine yeah. doing exactly and continuously optimizing? Which means to me that there is going to be a dramatic evolution in the types of jobs. The mm -hmm. job itself is still, the outcome is still the same. I need to optimize uh, across my supply chain, across the known dimensions yeah. with more, mm -hmm. but I'm doing it now with this agent that actually giving me the scale and the intelligence and access to some computation power that, you know, myself, even the best train operator could not reach. Yeah. And you're building trust with the data. So you're building the data, you're building the trust. And so not everybody's going to trust it in the very beginning, right? Because there's some change management that needs to happen. But what you're Correct. doing is you're building that trust. And not only are you telling me what I need to do, you're also empowering everybody else on my team or in different departments because what's happening is your technology is talking to every part, which I've been talking about for a while. Yep. You know, marketing needs to collaborate with supply chain, needs to collaborate collaborate with the warehouse, needs to collaborate yep. with sales. And it's very difficult a lot of the time when we have so many moving parts and so many things that we need to do that the co that collaboration doesn't necessarily happen all the time yeah. when it needs to happen, right? You need to make sure you have that inventory. If you're going to put a, that sale out and you need to make sure that you've got the carriers ready to go when you have that sale, because that customer experience is what's going to bring people back to buy from you. 100%. And and you need to make sure that the dock is available and the driver. I mean, yes. all the states where era looks at holistically and say mm -hmm. this is the decision. So you nailed it. Uh, I think it, it, it's exactly what the system does. Um, the one thing that people forget is that when you think about digitizing decisions, and when we started, we were looking at what decisions are we not making well enough. What decisions right. are we as a company not making fast enough? Yeah. And how can leverage era to actually fix that? Mm -hmm. Our customers, now the system becomes self-service. They're building many skills. We call those skills. The ability to optimize is a skill. So like people have skill set, right? You, you deploy those mm -hmm. skills inside uh, ERA as well. We're now seeing a trend where our clients are building skills to enable decisions that were not previously made. Right. Right. Yep. So connecting mm -hmm. my promotion and my dynamic pricing to my inventory level and all the way down to my procurement process mm -hmm. is something that is not done today. And right. it's a lot of touch points. Why? Because the, the clock speed of those processes is not aligned. Right. And I've talked about this for 15 years around planning. The challenge is a lot of clock speed. Supply chain execution has a certain clock speed, mm -hmm. whereas uh, promotion planning is a different one. And what right. technology allows us to do now is to align the clock speeds. Align and, them together. And it's really, really important. That is powerful and very impactful. Now, I want to ask you about your take on the balance between people and technology. You just kind of spoke about it a li little bit. I yeah. mean, because obviously you're passionate about the future of AI and machine learning, but I was interested to see that you're also encouraging a new era of citizen data scientists. Now, we're increasingly hearing about citizen development with software brands, but you're bringing that mentality to data in order to empower innovation, collaboration that we're talking about too. Can you talk us through that and you know, give us a little bit of insight on what that looks like? 
But I think, Sarah, it's already happening. Um, mm. Again, we talked about this a few years back, and uh, we're excited about, you know, data science seems to be like this experimental project sitting with data scientists, and they're scientists, which is a scary word. How they do their black magic was something that the companies, again, I'm not talking 20 years back, I'm talking mm -hmm. five years ago, did not really right. understand it. Yeah. Um, what we've done is we've taken that science, uh, which, by the way, by the, is actually fairly old for a lot of it. We've taken that silence, applied it within a decision-making process. It's just one of our tools. Mm -hmm. uh, we build models. We build data science models. We do uh, rules-based uh, 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 decisions sometimes. It's just one of the components of what makes decision. Um, and, and the operationalization of data science is really the next frontier. It's like making it part of the day-to-day decision-making process and not this, uh, uh, you know, side experiment uh, that 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 struggles to actually impact the business. Mm -hmm. So a lot of companies are doing that already. They leverage our technology to do this. And of course, as a result, if you're a decision analyst, someone who now is responsible for optimizing how decisions are made in the company, you need to have knowledge of data, what, mm -hmm. how is the data be building up and where it's coming yeah. from and what are the issues? With it? There's a lot of challenge with data and we're taking care of a lot of them, but we need people on top of that. At the same time, you need to understand how decisions are made, literally yeah. thinking about how do I optimize this? How do I allocate? the? So understanding that and then what tools do I have to make this happen? And data science is one of them. Mm -hmm. So if you're completely illiterate in data science, you're going to struggle. And what we're seeing today with our clients is there's those new profiles that are data scientists, business analysts, data and data engineers right. kind of combining mm -hmm. and working. Sometimes you don't know in the room if you're talking with someone with an, a business background or an IT background or a data science background. It's all blurring already. And I think right. most companies are already there. Well, and that's the exciting part, I think, too, is that we can get back to creativity and innovation and strategy, right? Which I think is the the best and most fun part of being a professional in any industry. Yeah. And I think that's what we're going to see is, is a lot of people are going to enjoy that. So if I'm sitting in the audience right now and loving everything that you're saying, because I am really on board with what you guys are doing... Um, I would necessarily or I would most likely have uh, some questions around onboarding and questions around whether I'm your ideal client. So walk us through what both of those look like so that I can, you know, figure out if I'm the right customer for you. That's a good question. Ideal client, um, the one that doesn't ask any question and uh, that's a joke. Uh, <laughs> I, like, is there a certain that, that, sign no, or revenue? Or? No, um, look. Um, the ideal client is a client that has challenges in its current uh, business operations, right? That realizes all the things we've just talked about, that yeah. there's not enough talent to make the decisions that have to be made uh, uh, every day, that there is an erosion in talent, that there is a need to accelerate the decision-making process to remain competitive or to address the challenges of supply chain and, and customer management and everything that we've talked about. So first is the acknowledgement that there is a problem and that 
And what we're seeing right now, and this is why it's such an exciting time, when we started a few years back, and again, coming from, from Anaplan and, and understand SAP and understanding the landscape quite well, we had a lot of very big companies saying, well, we've got this. We, we got this sorted. We got a data lake coming here. Right. We got a massive investment in this cloud thing. We got data science over there. We got a collaboration platform here. We got a, a data modeling uh, solution here that connects all the stuff. Well, we're we're four years, five years in the journey, and now they realize no, this there's no connected tissue. There's no such right. thing such as decision intelligence. And again, back to Gartner, it's important that they they continue to define the market and 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 predict mm -hmm. uh, because it helps guide. So so it really does. We're, yeah, we're seeing right now a what I called we were in a push mode. We were working with the pioneers, and now mm -hmm. we're crossing the chasm, and we're doing it very fast. Not just us; the, the market is moving very fast into that decision, and I can feel the the pool coming in. So, ideal customer is a customer who has a genuine interest in digitizing decisions. How okay. do they get started? That's the interesting question because is it, is it like is it a long process to get exactly. onboarded? So this is this is the this is the the part that 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 gets a little harder to believe. But um, we've done a ton of work. Again, this is my not my first attempt at addressing the core problems that you find with any software implementation. The data problem, right? The rolling out of a a new approach on a global scale. As I said, it's super easy to do local market, set of simple products, experimentation and call okay. victory and go on stage and say, look what I did. Right. How do you deploy something at scale right. across 170 market units and 350 production sites and mm -hmm. tens of thousands of people are going to have to collaborate with the technology is a very different ballgame. Mm -hmm. So how do you start? You start with one market, you start with one set of products, and you start learning how the system actually works. And that part, connecting to your ERPs, pulling the data, and applying a skill that ERA has already built, or one of our partners has already built, is a matter of weeks. Nice. And when I say weeks, I mean weeks. I don't mean a week. I mean several <laughs> weeks, but it's between okay. four and 10 weeks. You literally okay. can be up and running. And I'm talking the largest companies in the world, not a micro scale. Right, right, right. And then at that you learn how to how to you know digest and start training the system. And then the rolling out will take forever because you yeah. keep digitizing work and areas that you hadn't uh, digitized before. So we have packaged a lot of technology in uh, and content as well, which is the thing that is a little unique about this new type of, of, of software. It's you're combining content, what the brain thinks with, yeah. with the, the plumbing, with uh, the, the core technology to enable the thinking process to scale. So it's what we built and, and it took us a few years and, and a massive investment. It's not, it's not an easy thing to do. Um, but the goal for me is, is two things, right? Is reducing time to value. Mm -hmm. We need to be able to, time to value needs to be in a matter of weeks. And yeah. that it's also, and that's my biggest advice to everybody is like, when a company has not started, their obsession is, and that's not new in our industry, is how do I get to start? How do I get to the go live? Well, to me, the work starts at go live. Right, going yeah. going to go live is is a simple process, mm -hmm. but with this kind of technology, what you really have to obsess on is the value over time. Right. So time yes. to value Very and true. value over time. Time to yeah. value has to be a matter of weeks. If we're talking years, forget about it. It's not going to work. People are going to move from one mm -hmm. job to another. Your project will die. So if you're not within a, a four to to twelve weeks window from time to value, you should do something else. But yeah. then. 
The obsession should be, how can this technology continue to deliver value over time in terms of scale and intelligence? Mm -hmm. And how does the technology allow me to monitor in real time? So uh, the, the fun thing about this technology and this approach is that every single decision that you make will come with an expected business impact within mm -hmm. a certain time frame. We talked about this briefly earlier. So think about it, right? A decision systematically attached with that. So you can monitor and measure the value of those recommendations and your decisions in real time. It's hard to do, but it's incredibly powerful. Yeah, the ROI is kind of exponential from those even exactly. um, uh, the original decisions, right? Because you're co it's constantly learning and helping to create That's even it. better decisions. Now, so walk me through an example. Paint me a picture of how you've helped a customer. What was the challenge that they had? What was the, I mean, obviously your solution that you used to help them, but what was the ROI and benefit from working with you? There's so many, many I'm sure. Different, yeah, many <laughs> different areas. Well, let's pick one. Um, th th there's one that I will just pick up just to echo what we just talked about, which is the value over time. Uh, it's a simple ATP project, right? Is I've got my data that sits within 48 different systems and I need to be able to, there was a, a recent article in the Water Journal about, about this problem with med devices. And I need to be able to deliver uh, uh, and predict the, the, the accurately uh, the delivery date for a specific order. And an order can be a very complex uh, bill of material. So that's one of the problems. So we work with the client to actually deliver that initial um, uh, capability, right? So suddenly you're getting your 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 delivery date, um, and with and immediately you start measuring the impact across multiple dimensions. Mm -hmm. uh, but you also measure the drivers that help increase the accuracy of that recommendation over time. Mm -hmm. So very specifically, um, if I increase the refresh rate of the calculation. So if I refresh my model, instead of once a day, every eight hours, right. what is the direct impact on the accuracy of the recommendation? Mm -hmm. And the customer push it up to 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. Get to a point where your value over time, you're thinking, man, if I actually re refresh every 15 minutes, I increase my accuracy and my response wow. rate, my, my uh, uh, you know, in a, in, a, in a material fashion, which means that my uh, uh, customer satisfaction goes up, my number of mm -hmm. canceled orders go down, my top line goes up. It's so linear. Yes. But that was very <laughs> interesting because now you're looking at every single recommendation mm -hmm. and you look at the factors, the digital factors that drive the accuracy of that recommendation. That's one example that, that comes to mind because it's all about the time to value, right? But yeah. also the value over time. You continuously, you know, honing and, and improving the way the system works. You're not yeah. done when the system go live. Yeah. What excites me about this adventure is that we're deploying a technology that's new to enable companies to do things that were not happening before. Mm -hmm. A lot of technology, when you're in my world, um, you end up replacing an existing tool by a slightly better, faster, right. widgety tool. Look, mm -hmm. this one is better because it's faster. This is not the case here with decision intelligence. We're not talking about this is better because it's faster. We say this is better because it allows you to think about problems in a way that you could not think about before. And we talked they're about gonna, they're going to get better over time. 
And that's the point. It, mm -hmm. it's, and it's not, you're not done yeah. when you go live. And I keep insisting on that because we as, as a company and with our in clients, we, we work very hard to enable them to go live and make mm -hmm. it, it work when it was not defined. But then today it's all about continuous improvement, building skills, yeah. building the self-service capabilities. You talked about trust earlier, making sure that those clients and those users trust the system, which mm -hmm. means understanding the data sources, where is the data yeah. coming from, understanding mm -hmm. the logic, which algorithm has been used in combination of which business role to deliver that recommendation. Yeah. And there's always that tension at first. Yeah. Well, I can't do always. it as well. No, you yeah. cannot. Uh, or maybe you could, but the system does it potentially faster. And by the way, it's not a competition between the human operator and the system. It's a it's a it's a collaboration, collaboration, collaboration between the two. I love that. And I really enjoyed that example because you brought customer experience into it and you you brought in canceled orders. These are all things that supply chain professionals yeah. are thinking about on a day-to-day -day basis. And I think finally, your continuous improvement um, mention as well is that everybody's looking to continuously improve. And so how do we use the technology to be able to do that? And I think you've proven that out today. So that was fascinating. I mean, traditionally, supply chain businesses have been siloed and their technology infrastructures have been fragmented. Despite data visibility and analytics improvements, decision-making is still often inaccurate and reactive. And leaders struggle to keep up with the speed of decision-making that's needed in a fast-moving and disruption-filled environment. A new solution is needed, one that leverages AI to dramatically increase decision agility so that companies can maintain the pace of execution required today. And that solution is ERA. If you want to find out more, you can check them out at ERA Technology. That's A-E-R-A technology.com. A massive thanks to Fred for joining me today and to the team at ERA Technology for making this episode happen. Thank you so much, Fred. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation as well. Did you know that the average cost of losing an hourly supply chain worker has reached $19,607? And that recent research shows that 77% of hourly supply chain workers are considering a job change in the next three months. This could have a huge impact on your productivity, bottom line, and culture. Workstep is helping supply chain companies to better engage their distributed hourly workforce at scale. Understand the true reasons behind their workforce turnover and take actions to make positive changes and reduce attrition. Workstep has successfully helped many companies reduce their frontline worker turnover by up to 36%. Visit workstep.com to learn more. If you would like to hear more from us, we have plenty more content for you featuring the best and brightest in the industry. Head over to letstalksupplychain.com to check out the latest. And if you have a supply chain challenge, we have most likely had the solution on our show. And you get to check out who they are, what they do, how they can help you with real life examples before you even get into their sales funnel. Next week, we're talking about an intelligent intermediator between buyers and sellers using technologies like robotic process automation, artificial intelligence, and machine learning to streamline interactions and benefit all trading partners. Who is it? Well, tune in next week to find out.
If you enjoy our show, there's a few ways to support us. You can follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can also follow us on TikTok. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Let's Talk Supply Chain, or get all the latest, greatest news over at letstalksupplychain.com and sign up for our newsletter. You can also find some really cool merch and purchase our exclusive supply chain dictionary in our shop at letstalksupplychain.com. And remember, if you'd like to be featured on an upcoming episode, go to Apple Podcasts and rate and review the show. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks for listening. And remember, ship happens.